You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about animals in our lives. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I am planning so many short trips. Fun. Because of how my school schedule is, I have nine days off in between semesters, and that's the only time. The Mm -hmm. rest of the time, it's not even like I have a weekend, really, because of clinicals. Right. And I don't know my clinical schedule, so I can't make plans, but I can for those intercession weeks. So I am planning a camping trip by myself to meet an adult friend in Western North Carolina. Fun. (laughs) Really excited about that. Planning a family glamping trip to meet some friends of ours from Nashville. Mm -hmm. So psyched about that. And planning a long weekend at the beach for August. It's going to get me through. Got to have the stuff to look forward to Mm -hmm. as I wrap up this semester and have an exam basically every day for the next two weeks. (laughs) It's getting me through. Love it. What's new with you? I have been enjoying all of the great neighborhood playing that is happening. I feel like my kids are at peak enjoyment of outdoor neighborhood fun. And with the spring, it feels like everything has been reinvigorated. Lots of biking and scootering happening. And also the range of where they can go and where Mm. kids are coming in from feels like it's expanded too, so that there are more kids in the mix, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. Nice. And I just love to see it. The other night, I texted you a picture of a bunch of kids playing in the street, how everything just was so perfect. Then, of course... It all fell apart when it was time to come inside, but it was worth (laughs) it. And I am glad I captured the perfect moment in my memory. Yeah, it was perfect if you were going to post it on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move into what we've been reading. Abby, what is your latest book? I just finished Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. This is the second romance following the Bellinger sisters. The first one was It Happened One Summer, which I also really enjoyed. This book follows the younger sister, Hannah. She's on location as a production assistant for a movie shooting in the Washington State fishing town the first book was also set in. Mm -hmm. This was a neat, tidy romance with solid dialogue and good spicy bits. I'm really glad that I read it. And if you liked the first one, you'll like this one. If you didn't like the first one, don't read this one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I fall into that second camp, but I am so glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you. What have you been reading? I finished My Lady Jane by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. Mm. This was a YA slash historical fiction that reimagines the life of Lady Jane Grey, who was queen for nine days in the 1500s. The twist is that rather than the fight being between religious groups, it is between Ethians and Verities. Ethians can change into an animal form, and Verities want to rid the country of Ethians. Mm. It was such a fun, clever book. Great audio, great pacing, witty dialogue. I loved it. I also love that it was written by a team of writers, as I find thinking about that process to be so interesting Mm -hmm. and how they make a cohesive narrative and the benefits of working as a team and the challenges of working as a team. So that was just fun to be thinking about as I went through. I would recommend it if you like YA fantasy. I am not always a fan of historical fiction, but this one strayed enough from reality and was a really fun ride. 
There are two more in this series, one about Jane Eyre and one about Calamity Jane that Hmm. I hope to read in the future. Cool. Let's move into our topic for today, animals in our lives. I have avoided us talking about this topic for a long time (laughs) because I am not a pet owner, as we will uncover. And I feel like in our society, there's this idea that you have a dark, cold heart if you are not an animal lover. (laughs) Yes, right. And so I wasn't sure that I wanted to put that out into the world. I do not feel like I have a dark, cold heart. As your longtime friend... I can vouch for the fact that your heart is light and warm. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. So keep that in mind as we continue. (laughs) Let's start by sharing our history with pets growing up, what pets we had, our relationship with those pets, and how it influenced our future decisions around pets, if it did. So we always had cats growing up. My mom had two cats when my sister and I were born. One of them was very feisty and bit me a lot as a kid, but Mm. it was because I antagonized her and we had sort of like a sibling type relationship. Mm -hmm. And then there was one cat who is probably my mom's soulmate cat who lived for a really long time. And when she got old, (laughs) she overgroomed, So she was like sort of skeletal looking Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she would sleep in the same chair and she would sleep in the same position. And I would always come home from school, like in middle school, getting off the bus and be the one to let myself into the house. And I would poke her to see if she was still alive. (laughs) (laughs) And she was. (laughs) Good. She lived a really long time. And then my sister and I got kittens for Christmas one year. Probably I was in sixth grade. So we had four cats for a while. And then in addition to that, there were also several zebra finches who kept laying eggs, a hamster named Brady and a knoll, which is a little lizard, and multiple fish and tadpoles over the years. Mm -hmm. I remember we had these little black tadpoles who developed into frogs. Mm -hmm. And then we had them in this really low pie dish. That once they turned into frogs, they jumped out and then they dried out and died. Oh, no. It was very traumatic. Yeah. (laughs) So that was a good. And then in addition to that, I always, always wanted a dog to a Mm -hmm. very intense level where around middle school, probably, I had a book of dog breeds and Mm -hmm. knew many of the names and characteristics of different breeds by heart and still know a lot about dog breeds from that very intense, (laughs) hyper-focused time in my life. Uh huh. We were having a conversation at book club once. My friend Anna was like, but how do you know so much about dogs? (laughs) It's like, I think it's this. (laughs) So that was us and pets growing up. What about you, Sarah? We had a black lab named Mickey very briefly when I was young, and she was an outdoor dog. Then my parents decided that our family did not spend enough time with her, and we gave her to my aunt, who was a true animal lover and gave Mickey all the attention she needed and deserved. So I remember visiting Mickey when we would visit my aunt Mm -hmm. throughout the years. I was really young at the time. I have very few memories of us having a dog. I think Mickey left our house when I was maybe five or six. Mm -hmm. That was the last of us having larger mammal pets at our house. Mm -hmm. Then we had a series of smaller animals. I remember my sister had a hamster and goldfish at some point, and I had three parakeets. We only ever had two at a time, but when one died, we got another one. I think it made it so that I got used to living in a mostly pet-free household. 
I don't remember having a strong desire to have a dog or a cat. I think I probably asked my parents at some point and said that I wanted a dog, but I don't remember this deep desire like you're describing. More of a fleeting wish. (laughs) And I think it was also very clear to me that that wasn't something that would be happening, given my mom's preferences. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Tell us about your current pet situation. Currently, we have five cats and six chickens. The reason for that is basically the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) And also because cats bring me more joy than most things. Do you think you have reached peak enjoyment you can get from the cats? That if you added more cats, would it still continue to increase the enjoyment? I'm wondering what the cat saturation point is in your household. I think that I would like to have more cats around, but I do think we have kind of captured lightning in a bottle Mm -hmm. in terms of, as of right now, knock on wood, most everybody is getting along. Yeah. Everyone's using their litter box. Mm -hmm. No one's unhealthy. It feels like a really kind of magical cat point Mm -hmm. that we're at. And I think adding more cats could complicate things behaviorally. And so while my heart may always yearn for more floof. (laughs) I think that I am really, really lucky where we are, and I hope to keep it that way as long as possible. Yeah, may it continue. We have no pets. For me, it has always seemed like too much responsibility. I feel like it seems weird to say that when we also have children that are a lot of responsibility, but I felt that even more strongly when the kids are younger. Like, I am full up on being responsible for other living creatures. I Mm -hmm. cannot take on more. And I also think about how kids become older and more independent, but pets do not. Correct. That same level of care of their physical well-being Mm -hmm. is continuous. It doesn't get to the point where they're scooping their own litter box or picking up their own poop when you go on a walk, Mm -hmm. etc. Right. Another factor is that. I am allergic to cats, so having them has never really been on the table. Neil is more of a cat person than a dog person, Mm -hmm. and I wonder if I wasn't allergic to cats, if that is something we would consider. I think probably still not, but it just has never even been a conversation because of that. Yeah. How do your other family members feel about your current pet situation? Andrew cut me off after I brought the last two cats home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh He also really loves them. Mm -hmm. And while he acknowledges that I do the bulk of the work, I do the daily litter box scooping. I order the supplies like food and litter and make sure everything's happening. I am the one who manages the vet stuff when it arises. Mm -hmm. And it does. That that's a lot on me. And that even though I might want more cats, that handling things will just continue to sort of expand. Mm -hmm. And so I think while it doesn't affect him directly in that he's doing it, he is realistic about our family's capacity for that Yes, and how it affects me. And the kids love the cats. Mm -hmm. The cats are still pretty scared of Pepper, but Mm. Plum is gentle enough that the cats will sit on her sometimes and she really enjoys it. So I'm grooming two young cat people as well. (laughs) (laughs) What about your family members, Sarah? Neil and I are very much on the same page in not wanting pets. 
as I said, he might have been open to a cat, but I really think not. I think we are just not pet people in our house. When I started writing this, I put that the kids definitely want a pet of some kind, but then I was chatting with my children this morning about it, and E said she did not want a pet that would try and eat her food, (laughs) and that maybe having a pet in a cage, like a hamster, might be easier. But then she remembered she would have to clean its cage and was like, maybe we can just have a pet like Herbert, which is a little mechanical bug they got at church, (laughs) and is this quote-unquote pet that they send home with different kids every week. And I was like, hmm, that sounds great. (laughs) H said he's not super interested in having a pet and that I should talk about the roly-poly he brought inside when he was maybe five that escaped the enclosure that he had made for it. And we don't know what happened to it. And maybe mentioning all of the stink bugs that seem to get into our house. The idea of taking care of a pet is not exciting for them. You hear about kids that, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. If we get a dog, I'm going to help out. And Mm -hmm. I think we can all imagine how that turns out when Mm -hmm. the reality of that arises. Yeah. But my kids up front are pretty aware that they would not want to take on more responsibility for having a pet. That's impressive to me at their young age because I was definitely in that camp of, oh, I'll take care of the dog. I'll do all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think my parents saw the reality, particularly my mom, and was like, there is not a level of responsibility that an under 18 person who's still going to school can have for an animal like a dog that would make this not all fall on me as the (laughs) responsible adult in the family. And honestly, that's why we don't have a dog right now. Mm -hmm. Because we had our dog Tonks when Plum was born, and it was an awful lot to have both a dog and a baby. Yeah. So sometimes I think about how I'm raising them in a house without pets and how that is likely influencing their future pet prospects. But then I remember that I was raised in a very similar household. And of my four siblings, I am the only one without pets. Mm -hmm. And my other siblings very much love and are committed to being pet owners Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. So we'll just see what happens. When they have asked about pets before, we just tell them, in our house, we don't have pets. But when you have your own house, you get to make your own decisions about that. Love it. What do you see as the greatest benefit of having pets in your case and not having pets in my case? The emotional support that I get from the cats is amazing. I would say they're basically 95% a source of joy. I mean, the other 5% is being annoyed about scooping the litter boxes and them waking me up in the morning sometimes, but that Mm -hmm. is not. 5% is very reasonable. It is very reasonable. And the chickens are awesome. They are so easy, yet so beneficial. We have a bazillion eggs, and they are so friendly and fun to watch. When they're laying, they're especially tame, and they let us pet them. So we'll let Mm. them out, and they come around and sort of, you know, look at what we're doing in kind of a funny chicken way. (laughs) Listeners can't see this, but I'm moving my head like a chicken. (laughs) And so I would say, yeah, 10 of 10, cats and chickens. Would recommend. Yeah. Chickens seem like a lot of initial work to get everything set up, but then lower maintenance. Absolutely. That was for real my experience with it. Although still needing to be there at the various points to let them in and out. 
and such. Your time is still constricted by the responsibilities. Yes. So with our chickens, we have kind of a larger enclosure for them that's both a covered run and their hen house, which is elevated. Mm -hmm. So they can come in and out of their hen house independently. And we only let them out of the run with the big door when we're like outside because we have hawks in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, they are in their covered run hanging out. They've got their food and water. They've got treats. We throw veggie stuff in there that they can sort of peck at. They dig in the dirt. They take dust baths. So they're mostly just in there. Okay. So, for instance, when we go out of town, we only have someone put eyes on them and make sure their water isn't leaking or something and then collect eggs. That's all that has to happen. Sounds great. I mean, honestly, it's a lot like cats in that Mm -hmm. when we go out of town, we have automatic feeders. And so... They are basically fed their dry food on a schedule, and we just have someone come in once a day to do those chicken things that we talked about and to give them some wet food and some pets. That's basically it. Oh, and litter box scooping, because I do scoop every day. Yeah. I would say, in terms of pets, I feel like cats and chickens are the lowest maintenance, even lower than something like a hamster or something like that, Mm. because it's just not very much cleaning. The litter box scooping takes 10 minutes or less. It's really very minimal. Even with you describing that, I still feel like one of the benefits of not having pets is not having to do any of that. Yes. (laughs) Even though you feel like it's minimal to me, I'm like, I'm still glad I'm not scooping a litter box every day. And maybe minimal isn't the right word. Well worth it is probably a better way Mm -hmm. to put that Mm -hmm. because it is work. I mean, it is something in my day that Mm -hmm. is added in. But for me, especially the cats, the annoying stuff is so far outweighed that it's really, really worth it. I am. So happy that that is the case for you. I see one of the big benefits is having more money and time to invest in other parts of our lives. I know if we had pets, we would reap the emotional benefits that you describe. Mm -hmm. But I also don't feel like I'm lacking in love and emotional support in my life. So while I can see how it would be an addition, it doesn't feel like a lack to me. Mm. And maybe it wouldn't feel like an addition to you. Maybe it would just feel like a drain because I felt like that Mm -hmm. in the past, especially those early parenthood days where we were also managing an aging dog. I mean, that did feel draining. Yeah. And I do think all the time, I'm glad I don't have a pet to take care of. Yeah. That is a real thing that I think about when I think about my own capacity and our family's capacity and the constraints that having pets places on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And the balance for me definitely comes out in favor of not taking on the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's good self-awareness and a valid choice. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get into pet ownership thinking that it's going to be all rainbows and sunshine. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of literal shit (laughs) that comes with it. So it's a big commitment. I think a lot about fewer logistics when traveling or Mm -hmm. wanting to do something different in the schedule, not having to be home to let a dog out at a certain time, not needing to schedule the walk into the day, not worrying about being home an hour or two later for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Also think a lot about not having to clean up pet hair, pet poop, pet vomit, and pet drool. <laughs> I feel like that's a real bonus in my life, especially given my lack of house cleaning skills and the <laughs> lack of consistency with which our entire family 
cleans the house and the general low level of inclination in both our households toward cleaning. (laughs) So I feel like it is a real benefit that pets are not contributing to the mess in the house. Yes, for sure. What do you think is the hardest part of your family's pet choices? I think when they get old. I mean, I've alluded to this Mm. sort of all along, but the aging is really hard. With both Zita, our cat who died last year, and Tonks, our dog who died in 2018, it was almost a relief when that happened. Mm. Because watching them fade away, caring for them as their medical needs became greater, they were Mm -hmm. less able to care for themselves. And as they went downhill, it was so emotionally and physically difficult Yeah, that in both those cases, I would say saying goodbye was a relief. It's just really hard. That whole period around the downhill toward end of life in an aging animal that you've loved, it's just awful. Yeah. Sarah, have you identified hard parts of your family's pet choices? I think it's that feeling that I mentioned earlier that we're missing out on this mm-hmm. part of being human and this connection to an animal that I see in people's lives, that it brings them joy and happiness and fulfillment. And as a family, we are not experiencing that connection with animals in that same way. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like that's the right choice for us. And we are not all going to experience the same types of connection and that we are finding joy and connection in other ways. And while I don't think it's the same, I also don't think that needs to be part of having a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. So I can see how it would be good, but also my current life is good. And recognizing that every choice has these trade-offs and just feeling comfortable with where our family has landed. Absolutely. What are your pet dreams for the future? I think maybe someday we'll have a dog again. It was really, really wonderful to have a dog when we were young and childless. We spent so much time with her. We put so much effort into getting her the training she needed to overcome her past stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. she came to us through rescue. And that was really fulfilling and really wonderful. So maybe it would be wonderful again when our children have left home or when they are actually old enough to really care for a dog. I'm thinking like 17. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Right now, I really appreciate not having to walk a dog every day. And I hope that we always have lots of cats. Seems like you will. (laughs) (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop. Do you have any pet-related dreams for the future? Or non-pet dreams, maybe? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would say continuing the status quo. I would be surprised if we got pets in the future, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. If it did happen, I think it would be once the kids left, as Mm -hmm. you described. One of my backup life plans is to become a dog walker so I can walk other people's dogs, which is what I imagine to be the best part of dog ownership (laughs) because I love going on walks. I feel like it could be just such a pleasant routine to do with another living creature as opposed uh-huh. to by myself. Yeah. And then I get to drop them back off at their homes when I'm done. <laughs> so that's something that I am considering in the future, but have made no move to pursue at present. Fair enough. That's the end of our conversation about pets. Listeners, we would love to hear about how you and your family have made decisions about pet ownership. Let's end, as we always do, by talking about something we've been eating lately. 
I just made a trip to Trader Joe's after some medical appointments in Indianapolis, and I was delighted to find the Inside Out Carrot Cake Cookies available in the Baked Goods section. I had these a couple of years ago and haven't seen them since, though my visits are infrequent. And they're so delicious. It's this carrot cake cookie with cream cheese frosting in the middle. I love them. I wish I had bought more than one pack. It was a major mistake that I only got one. (laughs) What have you been eating? As I said earlier, we have so many eggs, so we've been eating a lot of egg dishes. Mm -hmm. And I found a new recipe for cheddar and ham quiche cups. Hmm. Over the winter holidays, Trader Joe's has a very affordable frozen puff pastry available. Mm. So I had bought a few packs of that Mm -hmm. and had them in the freezer. And I made these quiche cups. It's from a blog called Julie's Eats and Treats. And they were great. I don't think I baked them enough because the puff pastry was still sort of soft Mm -hmm. at the bottom. But they were a hit. I added some frozen spinach as well. And... It was a very successful way to use eggs. Sounds delicious. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Have you read The Real Jane Eyre? No, which is why I don't think I can. Actually, I was like, maybe I should read The Real Jane Eyre before I read this one. And then I thought, I don't think I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll read the Wikipedia summary and then read this one, (laughs) which I think is the direction I'm going to go. You know, because Vanessa Zoltan's so obsessed with Jane Eyre. Yes. I'm, I always am like, should I read that? And then I'm like, mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did read Pride and Prejudice as an adult, and I enjoyed it. I yes, really liked it. I loved it. Pride and Prejudice. So, I mean, I'd probably like Jane Eyre, right? I don't know. You think it's different? Worse? I think it's more like gothic, right? Like, Oh, that's not for me. Yeah, I'm not sure it's for me. I'll read the Wikipedia and then decide if I want to read it. (laughs) You want to read the actual thing? Fair. Fair enough. Uh, So many books to read. The cats are like, are you talking about me here? I mean, can you hear all this? I mean, there are literally four of them crawling around (laughs) right now. I think that was a great episode. I don't think you sound like an asshole in the least, friend. Aw, thanks.